Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of That's Dope, the podcast where we talk about dope things. My name is God's Will, and I have a good friend of mine, Tony Weaver. Like, uh, many guys have recognized him from TikTok. I mean, I would tell people, like, hey, I'm talking to Tony this weekend, and they're like, the guy from TikTok with a hat. And I'm like, absolutely. The guy with the pros, the guy who, who's, I think you're changing the world for the better, and I, I'm excited to see what you're doing. Uh, I've been wanting to talk to you for a minute. You've been busy. Uh, you know, you're making books, you're doing visits to schools, you're spreading the good word of manga around the world. Yes. Um, you know, and I mean, you're just, you're doing it, you know, another black man doing it, like, especially in the nerd space. Like, I mean, I got to talk about your story. Uh, so I really appreciate you joining up. Uh, I, I hate when I talk too much before the podcast and like we say like a lot of the juicy stuff, but uh, <laughs> I'm always happy to have you on. Did, been wanting to talk with you for a long time. Thank you for being on. Uh, could you explain who you are, what you do? Uh, there's so many things like I'm not even aware that you do, but you write books, you go to schools, you're spreading manga. What am I missing? Well, I don't sleep. That's the one thing I, I don't that. do. Yeah, I, 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 I don't. I don't sleep. The sleep doesn't happen. Um, but I, I guess normally when I when I introduce myself, what I say is that my name's Tony Weaver Jr. and I wear a lot of hats. Most people know me uh, kind of by my my Mount Lady hat that I wear on TikTok. Uh, but I am also the founder and CEO of my own media company called Weird Enough Productions, uh, where we focus on creating diverse stories and encourage people to embrace their inner weird. Uh, at Weird Enough, I get the privilege to write a series called The Uncommons. Uh, that is a manga about a group of unlikely outsiders that have to save each other to save the world. The Uncommons just launched on Webtoon about three weeks ago. We're already at 300,000 readers, and I'm trying to get to a million in the next two months. That's my goal. In the next eight weeks, I want us, I want us to be at a million readers. Um, but the, the, the other hat that I wear is kind of in the education space. So for me, I think that manga is one of the most transformative tools that we have for, for self-love and for self-confidence. So one way that I actualize that is that I take my manga, The Uncommons, I also take other series and bring them into schools around the country. So uh, literally, I go to schools around the United States. I pop up with free books and free manga and uh, develop lessons that partner them with literacy tools and positive mental health to, uh, skills for students. So it's a lot of things, a lot of different hats, all those things. You see why I don't sleep. I believe it. <laughs> That's great. Also, <laughs> hey, we got Josh. He was having problems logging in, but uh, logged in at the right time. So, hey, welcome yeah, Josh um, to the podcast. I'm not an IT guy. Uh, can you guys hear me? Yes. Yes. Okay, yeah, but uh, I literally just had to unplug my camera and put it back in. And they're like, your access granted. I was like, right. That's hilarious. Anyways, glad you can make it to the podcast. You got Tony, uh, who's telling us about how he doesn't sleep and how, he, you know, he's just going, going, going. So, I mean, shoot, you got also a magnificent collection behind you. Uh, I haven't talked about that at all. Uh, that's That's all manga? All manga. So, uh... There's like a tiny segment of this shelf that you can't see in the field of view of the camera that has my like Western comic trade volumes. And then over here, I got some art books like that red book right there is the Avatar The Last Airbender art book. But all that over 1000 volumes of manga on one shelf and... That is still only a, a part of my collection. I just had I had another shelf built downstairs so that I can put all the other stuff there. 
Sheesh, bro. Sheesh. Okay. So I got to ask uh, multiple questions. First off, what started first, like making TikToks or making the comics? Uh, so when it comes to what came first, I started writing the Uncommons years before uh, I started making videos on social media. Uh, I don't talk a lot on my social media platform about exactly how much I write. I mean, I've been working on the Uncommons. I have a two book deal uh, with Macmillan, the third largest publisher in the world uh, for a series called Weirdo. Uh, and I also have a, another series that I'm working on that hasn't been announced yet. It's like probably the most ambitious project I've been that, that I've put forward yet. In addition to working on the Uncommons anime, uh, and there's also a, a movie that's floating around, a TV show that's floating around. Um, I write a lot, but I was hesitant to kind of hit the ground running with that when I started making content, because even though I hope to be a positive influence for people, I never want people to look at my content and think that I'm making everything about me. There are so many people that amass followings of like, look how amazing I am. Look how wonderful I am. Look at how much better I am than this person and then this person. And honestly, it lets you grow. But for me, morally, it just never... It doesn't Not feel right. right. Like, yeah, it, yeah, it, 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 does, it doesn't feel right. It feels like I'm using the dark arts or something, man. I don't know. I like, guess yeah. it doesn't... It, it, it doesn't feel right. So I try to like, I try to decenter myself in a lot of the, in a lot of things that I talk about, but I'm, I'm a really accomplished writer. You know, it's like, I think that's a huge thing, you know, like who I'm not writing books, you know, <laughs> like, and I feel like, I feel like there's a balance of like being able to talk about yourself and yeah. you know like but that's not like a super braggadocious way but then again hey yeah. there's a reason we like you right i went and looked at the numbers the uncommons dropped three weeks ago in the last month more people have read the uncommons than any series that was published by marvel or dc in the month of january wow more more people read the uncommons in january than people that read spider-man they read justice league they read the avengers they read superman but i'm not out here like yelling from the rooftops like hey, marvel cower at my feet you know <laughs> I, I think that's something that's really dope you know it's like that's a huge huge accomplishment right there you know it's just sort of like it, like i would love to hear more about the comments you know it's like that's 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 a huge thing i mean can you can you tell us about like what it is or at least like uh the elevator pitch for it you better say something josh yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna ask. Um, so first time I heard about the uncommons was like I think four years ago, maybe three years ago. Oh, I, I think oh you heard TED about it before too. Okay, sweet. Yeah, it was back. I was going on a TED Talk tip. Like I was doing TED Talks every day, and uh, I remember that's when I first heard about Tony Weaver. Uh, and you, you looked a little bit. You looked very young <laughs> at the yeah, time. Yeah. You know, you're. But you looked like you were. Uh, I was like, man, this guy's got to be like 21. It seemed like or something like that. But I remember you talking about it, and um, you know how black people in representation. And comics is important, and I really that really stuck with me because I loved it so much. Because uh, it was always really hard to um, explain to other people why this was important. Um, so having someone just like eloquently say that in front of a studio or a, you know a group full of thousands of people, or however many people were there, it was amazing. But how did you go from the uncommons back then to making it? as successful as it is now to the point where I think you just said you had an anime coming out or something. Yeah. We're, we're in development for one That's serious, um, Tony. <laughs> How did we get here? Yeah. Give me the breakdown. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll start with the, with the general spiel. So, uh, the uncommons is a action fantasy manga, uh, about, uh, our main character, Iris. She's this awkward optimist 
who has this mystical ability called second sight that lets her see energies, details, and outcomes. Iris had thought she'd seen everything until one day her eyes showed her a vision of an incoming apocalypse. She has no idea what it is. She has no idea where it's coming from, and she has no idea when it's happening. She just knows that it's happening soon and that if she doesn't do something, all of us are in trouble. So she runs away from home to the scene of her vision, uh, this futuristic metropolis called Delta City, in order to stop the evil before it begins by putting together a team of people uh, that she hopes can help stop this thing from happening. Uh, however, as they come together, what they find is that there are things in their past that they have to overcome if they stand any chance of saving the future. Uh, so the Uncommons uh, has a lot of shonen elements. There's a lot of Afrofuturism woven into it. Uh, lots of like really high stakes world building. I think about stories that I really admire, like One Piece and how you can look at chapter 1000 of One Piece and find something that Oda foreshadowed in like chapter 10. And that's the type of writing that I try to do in the Uncommons. You're seeing something in chapter one that a hundred chapters from now, you're going to be like, wait, 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 <laughs> hold on. They thought we wouldn't notice, but we did. Um, and at the time when I, when I started writing the Uncommons, it was my first time writing something that ambitious. So Josh, like you said, I did a TED talk uh, about the Uncommons, talking about the power of representation, talking about how important it is to have characters that are representative of different groups in your storytelling. And frankly, a little bit how I'm throwing shade at you as a writer if you don't know how to make worlds that incorporate all types of people. If you were a chef, if you were a chef and you're like, I'm a master chef and you can give me any dish and I can make it, but I can only cook with chicken. I can't cook with like lamb or steak or any other type of meat. I can only cook with chicken. You'd be like, dog, you need to go back to school. You're not, you, right. you, you have only scratched the surface of, of, of what's capable of, of, of being done. But when people go, oh, I can write these amazing stories, but not if any of the characters are darker than a paper bag. I'm sorry. I, I, I not, not if they're like darker than tea. I can't write people that have that, that have darker skin tones. I can't write people that come from points of view that aren't my small town, but you still get to be a writer and you still get to be an arbiter of like what everybody's going to consume. I don't particularly think that's fair. Um, so when, when we started with the Uncommons, when I did that tech talk, that TED talk, we were in early concepts. So we had the base idea for the characters. We had the base idea of what we wanted the plot to be. Um, but we're still kind of in the process of putting it out into the world. I think that a, a consistent through line with my work and also just uh, kind of the, the way that I seek to grow is that I knew that for a series that had a predominantly uh, diverse cast, the only way that it was going to work was if we were able to get some online traction. And at the time I was looking at uh, illustrators that I really admire, like Sarah Scribbles and The Oatmeal that managed to build these like multi-million dollar followings off of the strength of like four panel comics. And I was like, well, maybe before we go directly into the into the plot, maybe we can start with some of these four panels, get people introduced to the characters, get people introduced to the aesthetic, and maybe then we can gradually kind of kind of make something work but ultimately it didn't pan out for me um the 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 way that it did for for some of the people that i admire sometimes 
we see people that are successful and we want to be like them, we assume their footsteps are the only journey that's going to get us there. But as a team, we had to chart that path for ourselves. I like that. I like that. Wow. Dang. Yeah. You really thought about just in your world building of like your your actual comic, you're thinking about the world building of like how this can actually get some traction in the world. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, really impressive. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, I was going to I was going to go a little bit further into that because uh, this is a this is somewhat of an issue that I've, I've seen people present to me before. Um, so me, you know, we work for a social media or a manga company right now. I mean, gods will do. And uh, there's those people that are message us and be like, oh, like, you know, push our manga or whatever. It's about a black character. And they'll start with that. They'll start with, it's about a black person. And I'm like, that sounds fantastic. Um, but <laughs> mm-hmm. what else? You know what I mean? It's yeah. one of those things where it's like, you can't yeah. start at like, well, we have black a black person. Because then you end up being one of those things where it's like, we just accepted everyone that started like that. Then now it's like, in the industry of great stories, Avatar, all these things that are going on. The one mm-hmm. black story is a black story that's subpar. Why would we do that? Right? Not that they're all subpar, but what made it to where you... We're able to push this and make it what it is. Like, what was the the X factor? If you know, if you can even identify that. Well, I think that so there there are a handful of things. Number one, I'm gonna crack a joke. This is my this is my black mangaka joke that I can say because I'm surrounded by black anime fans, right? Um, almost every, I can tell when a black dude has a manga idea because the main character almost always has a samurai sword. Like every, every, I, I gotta get out of here. Like, 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 like uh, I gotta like throw a, away my, my manga like, right hey, now. <laughs> black people, stop giving your OC samurai swords challenge. And like for every like lost Ronin manga I've read, that's like it. It's samurai shampoo and Afro samurai, but he's black. And I'm like, honestly, I'd read it, but it's weird that there are so many of them. I support it. You should do it, but like. You're, 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 like the, you're like the fourth you I've seen today. I'm going <laughs> to read all four of them. You should you should make it. If it makes your heart full, you should make it. I'm going to support you. You should. But there are a lot of y'all. There, there are a lot of y'all. I think. Wow. I, I got I to say something. Also. I got to say something. Like, I mean, like, it, you know, also, I'm unfortunately throwing shade like a, another creator. But like um, LaShawn Thomas, like with like sort of like the Yasuke Cannon Busters, it feels like a lot of the stuff that's coming out like we're like we're still pretty yeah. new to like making yeah. black manga and anime but it feels like a lot of it is stuff that was inspired by stuff that came out yeah. in the 2000s honestly you know like, there are a lot of uh, th- there are a lot of projects that are derivative but what happens is they're derivative without the magic of what made the original thing popular pop exactly so mm. i don't i don't say this in an attempt to smack talk anyone um because I think like not everything that I've made has been amazing. And frankly, the fact that the uncommon, since we just relaunched on Webtoon, I get an opportunity that a lot of people don't get to have because I wrote the uncommons. I put it out into the world where we had like 3 million readers. I got all of that feedback. And then Webtoon gave me the chance to start from square one. So I got to go back and fix all the stuff uh, that I do did right. wrong. Mm-hmm. I did a bunch of stuff wrong. So I'm not trying to act like anytime I put pen to paper, it's golden, right? right? But a lot of people, a lot of people will say, man, in the Cowboy Bebop movie, it was really cool when they stopped that gas station from getting robbed. So I'm going to start 
my series by having my gang of like my, my, my gang of protagonists stop a gas station from getting robbed and you mimic it bar for bar, bar for but it bar, has, yeah. but it has none of the magic because you didn't, you like you you, you like it, but but, but yeah. you you can't you 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 like it, but you can't tell me why you like it. Right. And that's um. So Josh, when you ask, well, what do you feel like is your secret sauce? What 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 do you feel? What do you feel like makes the uncommons work? Um, when I write, I write out of spite. So here's here here here's how I am as a writer. <laughs> so here we go. And and it, it's it's my greatest strength, and it's also my greatest weakness. Um. I'll look at a genre, like I'll look at Shonen and I'll go, oh, you like that, you like that, you like that, and you like that. I can analyze it and go, here are the through lines and all of those things. Here's why Rock Lee took the weights off 20 years ago when you still talk about it. Here's why, uh, here, here's why when Naruto shows up in the middle of Konoha destruction, when Pain is like almighty pushing everything and he pops up with the summon and the frog on his shoulder, here's why that moment is etched into your head. It's the same reason why when Zenitsu wakes up and does first form upside down while falling through the air from a tree branch, you grab it and you like it. I can analyze and like figure out that part and then I can go, but here's a little piece that's missing. And I'll take that little piece that's missing and I'll add it. And then I'll step away from it for a few weeks and I'll come back and I go, oh, here's another piece that's missing. And I go at that. And I do that like three or four times. So by the time it hits paper, you have all of the amazing stuff from the series that you already like, but I've taken it like one, two, three, four, five steps further. So for example, like we, let's, let's use the Uncommons, right? So in the Uncommons, you have a character named Influencer who has, as his name denotes, is a social media influencer, right? Um, Influencer has abilities that uh, we're not really clear on when we start the series. His ability is called Hero's Will. He gets increased speed, strength, and durability based on personal resolve. And on paper, when you look at Influencer, you go, he can transform up. And when he's not using his power, he shrinks down. So you'll immediately go, All Might, symbol of peace, right? People like All Might. People get inspired by All Might, right? Cool. Right. Um, I go, Cool. You like All Might because he's a symbol of peace. I want to take it a step further. The person that is a symbol that everybody looks up to has to carry something beyond them actually having to go and fight crime. If you are the underpinning of everyone's hopes and dreams, there is something that you have to carry that weighs on you. You're looking at analytics, you're looking at views, you're looking at how much online engagement you're getting in a slightly different light than your average person would, because that's something that you have to carry. So when I sit down to make Influencer, I go, cool, what if All Might couldn't carry it? What if all of that weight of everyone's investing their hopes and dreams in me, what if he couldn't do it? What if uh, he just woke up one day and was a shell of his former self because he couldn't, he, he stopped being able to be who he was. And that's how you get influencer. So you take this archetype, you take this trope, and then you add this mix into it. And then you go, influencer's black too. So as a black man in a public setting that's in a position of public esteem, I can't mess up. There's no flexibility for me. Yeah. I say one, one thing. Uh, yeah, I say yep. one thing. Uh, I have one Will Smith moment, and people are ready <laughs> to, to people are ready to throw me to the wolves. And suddenly, you get this like more, more, more engaging, uh, more engaging story arc. Um, Josh, I think that the thing that that people are missing when they 
when they when they lead with oh well, well my manga is the first black or this character is the first black um i i think they're missing the heart behind it because if your story hits we don't even have to talk about that you'll read it and go oh the characters are black i don't have to put that in my sales pitch i mean like it's Black History Month right now, so I might leave with it right now. <laughs> but overall, you don't have to start with that. I feel that. I love that. And like I, I'm glad that you actually like did the work to like understand what makes these moment hits and then take it further, not just replicate it, you know? Like and it it, it bumps me out. Uh it's like like hearing people, you know, like sort of start with that sort of surface level, mm-hmm. they're black. And it's like that's great. But what makes this memorable, I guess, you know, it's like, like, I, I got to go back to Cannon Busters, you know, like, and Yasuke, you know, like, where it's like, yeah. mainly black characters, right? Like, or at least like stylized differently, you know, darker skin. Mm-hmm. But the stories weren't able to hold up, like where like, they're just not critically, you know, pushing the envelope, I guess, yeah. as like, oh, hey, like, we we're we're going further, you know, with it. Um, now, what do you think, Josh? Yes, uh, I was about to say the same thing. Like, I like exactly what you said. And it's one of those things where uh, the, what I was hearing from what Tony was saying, a couple of the things kind of trace back to giving the characters flaws to an extent or something that mm-hmm. makes them uh, seem relatable. Um, and I think, I, Tony, I used to be a pretty big buff in, I'd say, a, an intermediate buff in uh, Western comics. I used to love them, and now I've switched over to manga, and I haven't gone back since. But um, I remember that was one of the big things that I think I personally thought made Marvel. I never, I never really voiced this out loud, but I think Marvel did better for characters than DC did in general. I've never really thought about that and said that, like, had an actual stance on that until just now. Mm-hmm. But Marvel consistently made characters that felt human, and they also had abilities of some sort, yeah. right? When you think X Men, it's it's just a guy who had ice powers and had to figure out how to deal with it, yeah. or Wolverine uh, examples, things like that. But then you have. With DC, it's the Flash, who is, he's, he's a fucking, he's a genius, and he's really, really fast. And then you have, you know, all these other guys who are basically gods, in a sense. And I think they've started delving deeper into that, because I think they've realized that the they might not have been uh, human enough. Mm-hmm. So Batman, currently, is one of the most popular characters they have. But also, everyone knows, is very aware that Bat- Batman has extreme psychiatric problems. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, he's popular because, like, we can relate to an extent, like, oh, he's... He has a struggle with letting this Robin do this thing because he's uh, he's kind of had a father complex with him, and there's like a little, you know, whatever. He feels bad about killing people because he feels like he's that close to being a bad guy himself. Those are the type of things that we can relate to to an extent compared to Superman, sadly. Uh, even though they're trying to, they're doing better, but I, a lot of what you said r- reminded me of that. It's like you take this character, and you're like, yeah, that's badass, but then like, let's go a little bit deeper. Let's give him a flaw that is that can somehow relate back to a person, a real person. And that's when you start getting people rooting for you, you know? What you just outlined in a lot of ways makes it hard, or some of the things that make it hard to be a Black creator right now, especially in the manga space. So I'll I'll articulate it this way. What you just said is we want to make characters that feel human, right? Um, It's hard to do that in a a world that sometimes uh, lacks humanity for Black people. So I say, I have this character that I want you to treat them as human. But in the real world, you don't treat me as human. So how do I know you're going to treat, like, I was so nervous about the Uncommons when we first launched. And honestly, I still am. We'll see. Right. But when I think of Iris, Iris has the same innocence and optimism that you would find in Deku. Iris has the same uh, 
moral compass that you would find in Tanjiro. And I was really stressed because I was like, are they going to love her like they love Deku? Are they going to love her like they love Tanjiro? Are they are are they going to look at her and give her the same chance that they gave Deku and Tanjiro when 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 they showed up? There are some characters in the story like I, Iris in a lot of ways gets to be morally upright because she's like she's like our moral compass. She's like kind of like the backbone of the team. But let's say if she started off as a knucklehead like Naruto, no. are you going to let her are have you gonna, redemption? Are, yeah, exactly. Are you going to are you going to let her do that or are you going to are, are are you gonna immediately be like, wow, that's how the blacks be sometimes, yeah, the thugs. And, just, <laughs> and, and 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 just leave it. Which is why when I look at things like Cannon Busters and Yasuke, I see the like, I see the struggle behind the scenes to make something that sticks. Because like like I said earlier, I got a when we started with the uncommons, I was like, I need something that we can get a rapport going for on social media. And I think that Yasuke in a lot of ways is what happens when you let Twitter make shows for you because every, every post about Yasuke goes viral all the time. People like, like people like black history. People don't want to tell you about Yasuke black history. You don't want to tell you about Yasuke. And I'm like, Yasuke is not a historical figure. We don't even know his name. We don't even know if Yasuke was actually a samurai. We know that he was a black guy that had a samurai sword. We don't know that he was trained in the art of the samurai. As a matter of fact, the, the art of the samurai isn't even as consistent or cohesive as you think it is as a Western weeb. And then I go, if a black dude having a sword is all it takes for him to be historic, in Africa, there are over 300 types of ceremonial swords that have philosophies just as complex as the way of the samurai. But that's not compelling to you because you need it to be Japanese. So for you to think that your own ancestor was cool, you got to put him in a different country and there's no substance to it, which is why when the time came to make the show, of course it had to go to mechs and like magic because frankly, there's nothing going on. <laughs> there's, there's, there's nothing happening. As a matter of fact, the most salacious history fact about Yasuke is the fact that some historians think he was Nobunaga's lover. That's the most salacious thing about him, but you know they weren't going to make that. <laughs> they were. Yo, they were. They on. weren't going to write that. <laughs> hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. I gotta, I gotta fight back Whoa. for my boy Yasuke real quick. No, no. When go I say, ahead. hey, hold on. Let me, let me before I, before I yeah, rebuttal. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. First off, I would never yeah. want to say uh, I'm rebuttaling for that show. That show was was terrible in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> I'm talking about the actual historical figure Yasuke, not not the show. Yeah, because I, I was like, I don't know about you. I'm happy like, he went I off was on the max. That this yeah. show would be like, hey. Here's Afro Samurai, but like a real guy. But then it's like, whoa, you're telling me that all this right here? Okay, go ahead, Josh. From from what I understood, because I, I was really into Yasuke before the show. The show kind of killed it for me. Like I was I was into the I was into Musashi first, and then uh, Yasuke came about just going through that research, and I was like, this is pretty dope. And Nobunaga being as like huge a warlord as he was back then, it was like, mm-hmm. oh my god, he's tied to a real you know figure. This is cool. So Yasuke's thing. There's a lot of uh, parts of his story that are like. Um, hearsay, like he might have come from a monastery, he was traded over mm-hmm. on a slave ship, everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, Japanese people weren't used to seeing black people at all. Like they had never, mm-hmm. they didn't know we existed. So seeing a guy with different hair, probably looking like God's will or something, like you're like, yo, what is this? <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, they're just like, what is going on? And I remember when they Nobunaga first saw him, they did the whole scrubbing thing. I'm sure you're aware of yep. that. Yeah, yeah, that's a really cool part. Like, hey, mm-hmm. yo, scrub this guy down. They scrubbed his skin, and he's like, there's no way this is real. You know what I mean? Um, but he took a liking to him and that's where that, that, uh, 
you know, salacious uh, idea. Yeah. He might have been lovers. Maybe. Maybe. Um, but, I mean, if you just take him as a right-hand man, we'll just say that that's what he was. That's all we can go off of right now. Mm-hmm. The story then goes on forward, and, you know, like, Nobunaga starts getting – he's in a war. Yasuke's there. He lives through these battles. So we know he was there. Um, I, he did have a sword. So we assume he was fighting, and he was taller than everybody right. else. One of the things with martial arts, if you're the taller dude, you're probably whooping ass, bro. So we assumed. We never knew. We never knew. So I, I'll give Tony a lot of credit here. He's he's not wrong. But it's like uh, he lived through those battles. And it was, again, hearsay that he was doing well. Because he lived through it. Nobunaga promoted him up even further. And if he was just fucking him, then, you know, that makes sense, too. <laughs> but, but I assume. I assume. <laughs> I'm going Listen, here's, here, here's what I'm going to say. You say in martial arts, the tallest person is normally the people kicking butt, right? They have a, we a huge have, advantage. Yeah. They, have a, they have a huge advantage. But if we're fighting against an enemy squadron with archers and you bigger than everybody else and you blacker than everybody else, why would you not get shot first? Like you're you're the easiest target to pick out from the crowd. Like I like like I'm I'm not a battle tactician. I haven't even finished the Fire Emblem game. I'm that damn bad, right? Like I don't I'm 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 not a war tactician or a brilliant strategist. But I'm like, if I was on the enemy team and you told me that their biggest guy had a sword and that he was the person that we should be afraid of the most, and he's literally right there, and we have a squad of archers, and he's not even wearing a shirt. I would handle that guy first. <laughs> okay, yo, I'm, I'm so assuming. Like, wearing, like, I'm pretty sure he's wearing armor. At least, yeah, like, I'm assuming they didn't have him out there look like a savage. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I hope not, yeah. But I remember hey. there was there's a part where like he does this whole thing with uh, Nobunaga's, I think it was his nephew. I, it's been a while since I've had, seen the story. But he gets overrun. Uh, Yas gets to go back to Nobunaga's side and tell him what, or no. Yeah, he leaves Nobunaga because he gets overrun. Goes to his nephew, tells him what's going on. It's like a lot. But I feel like there was a story there that could have, in my idea, and, and like, we'll just I say think my. So, like, at least, yeah. like, why go to Mecca's? Why That's go what I'm to saying. Like, sci fi? Like, I think, like, couldn't this have been, like, you know, maybe like a four to six episode thing of, like, hey, here's this black guy who was cool in Japan before. Japan, Based on a true story. Asians knew what black guys were, you know? It's like, yeah. although, hey, I would love to also see the story about africans doing their thing too i think africa is like the most hidden part of the world still like you know i brought nigerian food home and people have no clue like what the concept of african food is you know or african culture uh and but at the same time it's like huh are we just not interested or like are these stories not being told i guess you know it's like do we need people who are able to tell these stories so here's my here's my thing like like i said i'm a i'm a student right I, I don't put my pen to paper until I look at what everybody else is doing. So what Japan has going is kind of this, this cultural soft power. Um, shortly after World War II, Japan was like, people ain't really feeling us right now. Uh, I don't like that. So a government official in Japan instituted an initiative that's literally called Cool Japan. And the point of Cool Japan was to make people around the world feel like 
Japan was cool. Yeah. So a bunch of entertainment companies and media companies within Japan got subsidies and everything else to export like anime, Hello Kitty, Samurai, things like that. And it worked. Super it worked, worked <laughs> very, very well. And I'm not even trying to like smack talk the stories. I think that like yeah. Naruto, one, like, I think they're really good stories, but there was, the a, there was an orchestrated decision to shift the global opinion on Japanese culture over the course of, at this point, like 40, 50 years. So, of course, the samurai is going to sell more because for the last few decades, we've been investing in the imagery of the samurai. I think that the reason African culture doesn't move that way is because that investment hasn't been made. Yeah, um, yeah, 100%. And as, a, and as a storyteller, that's what I try to lean into. Not even on some hotel type stuff, right? Like, I'm not pulling up on you with some, like, we was kings, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I do think that there are very unique stories in African culture, in African lore, just like that actually happened in Africa. And I got to know where my line is because I'm like, I'm a Black American. I'm not... 100% qualified to tell these stories. I feel comfortable using specific pieces. And on my team, we have people that live in Nigeria right now, that live in Ghana right now, that are contributing to the story. So I don't feel I don't feel like I'm culture vulturing it because it's literally a it's a melting pot of the African diaspora on my team. Like that's like the the team the team was purposely built that way. But where it gets complicated, God's will is you were like, do we not have the people qualified to tell these stories? I'm like, there. I, I can think of a bunch of bad anime that I've seen, but they still get made. I feel like we should be allowed to have bad African stories. We do. It's like, called Yasuke. I'm with you. I'm sort of with you. But at the same time, I don't know. It's like, I feel like Africa has to start like on a strong foot. You know, it's sort of like how even China had to start with a strong foot. Yeah. You know, like everyone is so willing like like japan like has had like the credentials i guess you know it's like and like i don't know i would love you know like just any content from africa um but i don't know like i don't like i just know that everyone's gonna be turned off and just be like oh yeah you know i know they had they only had sticks and mud yeah like they can't make anything um so yeah i guess i really want that first show or first big thing to be a banger that's like everyone's like oh we gotta really start paying attention i, I think you know it's I mean? Can I, if I could jump in right before you, Go Tony, um, I was like, I think it's something about what Tony kind of led to this point and then he moved to somewhere else. But it's like uh, the way that effort happened after World War II, where uh, Japan tried to make themselves come off more palatable to the world. That's kind of how the samurai was sold. Because samurais, like, especially when I was a kid, I always thought samurais were very, like, honorable. That was the idea. Yep. Honorable. Not that samurais didn't exist. They definitely existed and they definitely fought each other to the death. But honor wasn't, like, the primary... Uh, thing for a samurai. It was more like a social status. Conquer. Yeah, conquering. <laughs> yeah, you're 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 doing well. You get the you know you get the sword. You kind of get to fuck some hoes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you getting money. Like uh, that's a samurai. Like generally, uh, and then you they had, were, they were like hired arms. They, yeah. they they were higher arms. Literally, it's like, hey, we about to pull up on these people, and their army is pretty strong. All right, go call. Go call that samurai dude. See if he'll see if he'll pull up. And sometimes a samurai dude would take money from both people and just turn on whoever paid them less. Because he had the mo- he had the, he had the biggest weapon, bro. Like in the area. Like what are you gonna and, do? And the people talk a lot about the swords, but the moment 
the moment that samurai had access to guns, they turned into cowboys real quick. Like the moment that sword got thrown down so quick, they right. said, hold on, this shoots how much? Bet. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> you know what's funny? You know what's funny about what you just said? Um, when you told that story about turn on both people, the best representation of a samurai, quite literally, I think in anime, is Samurai Champloo that I can think of. Because Mugen is is a vagabond, essentially. Yeah, he's, uh, he's just, he's just roaming around. He's just roaming um, and Jin, people like Jin did exist, but they, they were for dojo specifically, right? Like you worked for a dojo and you were like very about your code and stuff. And those people existed through time, but there wasn't a lot of them. It wasn't like the standard. So then everyone, even when you go through Samurai Champion, you see the first scene where those, those Samurais are like charging people extra money and they're with the Lord and yeah. they're like, yo, you know, we're taxing y'all, whatever. That's real shit. And they're like, they're just, they're just mad and kind of vengeful because they, they have their egos involved. That was, a, that's actually might be the best representation of what a samurai was it it kind of like there's there's this very long thread and wave of getting people to culturally see samurais as like these cool historic figures Mm -hmm. you could say the same thing happens with ninjas a little bit so when a black writer shows up and says i want to make something that's like in this genre i know that i got some points against me because i'm black I know you're not going to love, like, I, I can make this black girl cute as I want, but you're not going to love her like you love Nesco. There's, there are already things that are sacked against me. Against us, yeah. Well, I got to give them a samurai sword because how else are you going to, how, how how else are you going to relate, you know? Like, I I don't like it, but I understand how people get there. It's like when I see a black dude, like, I'll, I'll see a black dude, it's like, yeah, man, I grew up in Michigan, okay? I got this manga. Okay, and here's my main character. He's this black guy, and he like has a black friend group. And I'm like, cool. What's his name? And he's like Yabe Maru. And I'm like, why? <laughs> yeah. Why does why does yeah. his name why why does his name have like, to be Yabe Japanese, Maru? Right? Like yeah. we're not we're not even in Japan. Yeah, but he has to be Yabe Maru, and and it's I feel for it. Like it's it's like I don't I don't like. I don't like throwing shade on other creators because I'm like, I know how it feels to get a door slammed in your face. I know how it feels for like the only way for you to get something bankrolled is if you mix in this thing that you personally Mm -hmm. don't really like. Like I've been at the table where I've had to make those decisions where executives have been like, we'll produce it, but only if you do this thing that I know you personally think is absolutely ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And when you got to sit with the choice of either I do this stupid thing and my show has this stupid thing, or I don't have a show at all. It's hard. <laughs> it's it, it's hard. And everybody wants to be like, man, I never sell out. I'll never change up. But and I'm like, dude, to you. if you want to make an anime right now, anime, and like, that's the other thing that gets me. Everybody's like, we're doing this Kickstarter for this anime. I'm like, bro, animes cost like four to eight million dollars per episode. Yeah, Ten, per episode. Ten years ago, one episode of Family Guy cost two to four million dollars to animate. That's Family Guy. Okay, you trying to make something like arcane, you trying to make something you foldable, either one or two things are happening. You're getting that 10, 12 million dollars per episode or you got slaves working for you. It's one, <laughs> of, it's one of the two. That's the only yeah. way it's happening. So it's like if you want to make an anime of a certain caliber, it's not even feasible for you to Kickstarter your way to it. That's just not how the industry works right now. Yeah, yeah real you capital. Have- you have to work with one of these ent- entities. You got to work with the studio. You got to work with a streamer. You got to work with a network. And when the network shows up and says, okay, I'll give you what you want, but 
I have some notes signed here. It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> so that's a good point. That's a huge point. I think that's a good I point. wonder. Although I guess like starting. Wait, hold up, hold up. I guess ahead, like just ahead. even like starting like 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 with like your your leg sort of chopped off, you know, like of like I have to do these things to get popular yeah. versus like here's a story yeah. I want to tell. Right. Um, yeah. It's sort of like why not? Like why shouldn't we embrace our culture? I think like we're so focused on making manga versus mm-hmm. like making like a. Uh, you know, a creation in a sort of medium style, right? Like, yeah. what, what would you yeah. think about that? I agree with it 100%. The first thing that I tell people, and I, how, do, how do I put this? Um, I'm a, I'm a chain, cut, cut this part out when you edit it. Um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say this. I'm gonna say a manga publishing company. Okay. Oh, That's what I'm gonna say. So, People say, oh, I want to make manga. I want to make manga. And they immediately go, and I want to get it published by this manga publishing company. And I go, oh, that's weird because 99.9% of the people that they publish are Japanese. Why are, you, why are you vying for the affection of someone that posts like two books from someone that's not Japanese a year? It's like, you can write a manga. Your manga can be can be like, Japanese influence. And I don't think you have to be based in Japan to make a manga. I literally lived in Japan when I started concept work for the uncommons. So Mm. if people want to hit me with the like authenticity thing, nah, bro, I was in Osaka. I lived in Hirakata city. What's up? Um, it's, you can say all of that, but the thing that I wish black creators would do more is understand the industry that they're in. You don't live in Japan. Okay. Demon Slayer moved 75 million volumes in Japan in the year 2021. In the US, no book sold that much at all. No, no prose book sold that much. Certainly no graphic novel. No, no graphic novel. Right. The the reading rates are different. So you go, I'm going to make this series. It's going to sell more than Demon Slayer. Dude, I'm not trying to stomp on your dreams, but statistically, that's just that's just not how that works. You go, I'm going to make this series. And it's going to have a thousand chapters like One Piece. And I go, point me to one English oh, creator yeah. that has a series that has that many chapters. And honestly, even the ones that have chapters that are that are similar, like if you want a, a Western creator that's working like that, they're probably on Webtoon. And there was a survey that came out a, a couple of weeks ago that said that webcomic authors in particular are like three times more likely to be depressed than people in other comic mediums because God. they're working <laughs> really hard people got to hire assistants people are taking mid-season breaks i don't think that's what you want a lot of people go like oh i want to do that i want to do that and i go okay you do you know who jerry craft is and they're like oh jerry craft who's that who's jerry craft i go he's a black graphic novelist whose book new kid has been on the new york times bestsellers list for over 50 weeks for over 70 weeks he was the first graphic novelist to win the Newbery Prize, the highest award that you can receive for middle grade literature for the graphic novel with a black protagonist. And you don't know who he is because you're too busy staring at Oda. You have no, you have no idea who he is. I had, I had lunch with him a couple of weeks ago. He's chill. He's working. He's raising his kids. He's married. He gets to go hang out in his hot tub. He's meanwhile, Tagashi has back problems and can't draw. No disrespect to Tagashi. I don't like what the industry did to him, but so many people are like, oh, I need to study Japan. I need to study Japan. I'm like, dude, there are people in the West that get paid $300,000 to draw 250 pages. And you out here trying to draw a thousand chapters for pennies so that you can feel cool about it because you saw one piece when four kids was dubbing it and you can't let the nostalgia go. If you're going to be about it, 
learn the business. Go look who Jerry Kraft is. Go look who Raina Telgemeier is. Um, go, gosh, her name's escaping me. Go look who Mariko Tamaki is. Go, go, go look, do the work. You can make a manga, but you got to understand the, the, the Western industry that you're working in. And people don't want to do that homework. They're too focused on the samurai sword. Mm, I like that. I mean, I, I, <laughs> that is I, all right. That was beautiful, honestly. Like where it's like it's very true. Like where I think we have a lot of talent out here for sure, but yes. at the same time, yeah, people are just so focused on not on, on only the biggest guys and thinking that they can be that. It, I mean, I guess you know, anime really got to us. So like where it's like, yeah, I can be the main character too, but <laughs> let's also be realistic, right? <laughs> it seems it seems like a reflection of our society in general, right? Like it's kind of what everyone complains about. Like we're we're very focused on like the end result and not mm-hmm. like how to get there. So we're all just like selling each other on these crazy dreams and the hustle culture is so real. We're like, I oh, was just kind of, we're just going to do things. And then it never pans out a lot of times. Yeah. Cause we don't, we we're we on don't episode 98 on right now, right. Of the podcast. Yeah. And you know, like we're still working on it, you know, like, and just be realistic. Like it's, you know, I'm expecting it to, you know, to put in a lot more work too for it. You know, it's like, it, it takes consistency, but then also like a realism about like what's, what the feels like, right? I understand what you're getting into. The only podcast, right? (laughs) Because, but that—that's to the point. Like, how many people have you heard? Like, it's almost a—it's a meme. How many people have you heard started a podcast and then stopped within like three (laughs) episodes? All meme for real now. Yeah, because they—they just saw one. They saw Joe Rogan one time. Like, bro, I can do that. I, me, and my friends are—we talk like that. (laughs) You know, we talk all the time, right? (laughs) Into into people's credit, there's not a lot of information out there about it, right? Like, uh. Josh, you mentioned that you saw my TED talk. I gave a speech at uh, at the uh, at the first youth summit in the United States uh, in New York. There was there was a youth summit, and I gave a speech at the summit. And there was a woman in the audience who was partner at one of the largest literary agencies in the country. Literally pulled up on me after the talk was like, "Hey, have you thought about writing a book?" And I'm like, "I'm already writing a book. What are you talking about? The Uncommons is global." What you mean? I'm already writing a book. And she's like, if you want to do something more traditional, here's my card. Let me know. I love to talk with you about it. And I got my agent off the bat. I got a senior agent at one of the biggest agencies in the US off of the strength of my speech. And she guided me through everything that I needed to do. But if I was a writer and I didn't have an agent and I didn't have this top person courting me, the process of querying an agent is horrible. You write out your manuscript. Everybody likes pitches said in a different way. You try to find an agent. You got agents that are like, I'm looking for middle grade fantasy of uh, horror right now. And if you don't know the genres because nobody's grabbed you, no one's tapped you on the shoulder and said, hey, here's the way and giving you the map. You're like, I want to write this manga. I have this shonen manga. And you go look at all of the agents and all the agents are like, I'm looking for middle grade fantasy. I'm looking for I'm I'm looking for YA nonfiction. And you're like manga. Anyone mm. um is anyone shopping for for manga uh right now? And then you go oh well, what publishers do you want to talk to? Um, any publisher that'll talk to me. Like there is there is knowledge that you have to have of imprints and editors and who's acquiring this and who's buying this and who's publishing this right now, because you might be like, Oh, this would be a great person to publish my thing. And then you get there and they're like, yeah, we have five books that are like yours. We can't because you'd be competing with the stuff that, with the stuff that we already bought. Mm -hmm. So I, I get why people don't know because 
it's a wild, wild west out there. But that's a part of why I try to talk as much as I can. That's the stuff that I talk about when I go to schools. I do workshops at colleges when when people when people are in writing programs. Whenever I want to ask conv- about your uh, your educational side of things too, for sure. Like, uh, how'd you get into that? And then, like, especially like talking to like elementary school kids and like giving them manga. Like, how how that get started? My mom is a principal. Uh, so, or she was, I'm always a principal for 12 years. She's a regional superintendent now. So the joke that I used to tell is that I was in the principal's office every day because, <laughs> uh, like school would end, my dad would pick me up and then he'd take me to my mom's school and I go sit in her office and do my homework. So I've always been, uh, I've always been kind of in education. I kind of like, I, I grew up around, uh, the education system. All my aunts are like assistant principals, campus supervisors, principals at the district level, things like that. So I know how a lot of that stuff works. Um, but also when we started, I was more geared towards education because I was like, frankly, I just don't feel like there's money in print publishing. That's one of my hot takes. Uh, by education it, though. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. There's not much. So for example, Marvel Comics last year, last year, sold $371 million in comics. So Marvel's entire comic arm sold what is like the box office of one of their B-list movies. Like one B-list movie is all is your entire comics arm. Meanwhile, if you go to EdTech, there are companies that don't even have 10% market share that are bringing in like one bill, two bill. So it was, I'm cause for me, um, again, I don't have an ego. I just appreciate myself. And I'm constantly like trying to trying to make sure that I maintain the balance. So when I say this, understand that I'm not saying this with ego. I'm too good at writing to do it for free. Like I'm 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 too good at it to do it. Like if I'm doing it, I'm doing it for the most money that I can possibly get for it. And I can mm-hmm. get more money and create more of an impact in my community going in these educational spaces, impacting young people, directly seeing that instead of going on Instagram and posting about how representation matters every day for the next five years. Because Frank, because frankly, representation does matter, mm-hmm. but I don't think it matters in the way that people think it does. Because what, what, what people do is they'll go representation matters that's why you should read my black comic book as if like because I read, if, yeah <laughs> if i read your 22 pages where one of the characters is black suddenly racism just ceases to exist <laughs> like know. the world's perfect now everything changes you give my black comic to a black kid and he's barack obama now and you give my black comic to a white kid and suddenly he's not racist at all anymore racism erased because representation matters and it feels good to say that i guess but like black panther came out in 2018 george floyd happened in 2020 i thought representation fixed everything what happened because if that's how it worked if if that's how it worked if all we had to do was consume and suddenly the world is fixed then we'd be good but that's not that's not how it works representation is work Putting it on the page is the first part because I'm like, I can show a black child positive media images all day. We're not doing anything to fix the emotional harm that's happened from the negative images that he's seen. That's why we go into schools. 
That's why we do work with social emotional learning. We're literally built up an entire curriculum to help improve self-esteem for kids of color, especially for black kids. That's why I'm in these classrooms so that they can see people that look like them so that they can ask me questions. And I'm giving their teachers lesson plans. We provide free curricula to over 400,000 kids around the U.S., specifically around teaching them how to love themselves, specifically teaching them how to unlearn bias, whether that's bias that they have about other people or about themselves. That's the work that has to be important. Like I think about Black Panther and what I think is really impressive about Black Panther, and they did it again with Wakanda Forever. They were like, cool, so Wakanda has all these world-class scientists. We're going to go partner with STEM programs at HBCUs. We're going to go and partner with Xbox in order to make uh, this program for Black game developers and go support Black kids in STEM high schools that want to develop their own video games. That's where the work for representation is. That's like, that's what you actually have to do. But so many people are caught up on like, hey, it's 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 Yabe Maru with the, with the samurai sword that they don't they don't get there. There's a lot to say there. Uh, <laughs> can you tell I'm incensed about this? Can, can no, you I, mean, I, I love it, you know, like that because also like that's like a side I haven't like heard and like, but that's the truth, honestly. Like where it's like, yes, absolutely, re- representation matters, but I guess also it's like what what's after that too for sure i mean you know what can empower more people to even like put in their stories so that way the representation can you know be um you know can can really be a thing i guess you know it's like it's just one thing just to be like oh hey i just see more black people but you know if they don't represent me you know does it really matter right. what do you what do you think josh yeah and nah, i he said so much i wish i was able to respond to everything individually that's just not how a conversation works. So uh, I'm going to jump into it. It was like the what I think Black Panther did, because um, like you're right. I love that that you pointed that out. You pointed out the, the parts that everyone always like glosses over. Joy Floyd happened in 2020. Uh, Black Panther came out in 2018. And representation isn't just to benefit a sole person, which I think how it generally – it's like they use religion. They immediately switch it to how it benefits them specifically a lot of times. Not all the time, of course, but you know how it is. Um, but what I wanted to say was like uh, – what I think Black Panther did well was, as far as representation for African-American kids and African kids even that are, you know, that are just, just going to be identified as such, it showed them their own culture on the big screen and doing something that would be considered cool by most of the world, or at least America. Mm-hmm. Because before Black Panther came out, I kid you not, um, I grew up around a lot of Africans. And I also grew up uh, like in neighborhoods with like a lot of just socioeconomically uh, you know, black, what you would consider just black people in America. And uh, they would actually make fun of the African kids. I'm sure God's has told me his uh, 100%, that. yeah. Yeah, it was like they would just make fun of Africans because it was just like, oh, it's not as, you know, we're, we're, we're black Americans and this is a whole different culture. And, and white people don't ever see it. They don't know. They just look at us as all like a, a monolith of black people. Monolith, yeah. Yeah, but it's completely different. It's too, like, African kids are like very, they have a family structure a lot of times that's, uh, not affected as much by the bad social class that black pe- kids in America are affected by, right? So, like, you're talking about your mom and education or God's mm-hmm. mom and his his focus on education when he was younger. It was like, yeah. go be a doctor. That, that, doctor. that. Yeah, exactly, yeah. You know what I mean? That, uh, yeah. that. Um, they just stopped asking me if I'll be a doctor last year. So, yeah, yeah. After eight years in the industry. It's annoying, <laughs> but it's one of those things yeah. where it's like, there's a, there's a family structure. And I don't think a lot of... Uh, so it's like, what I was trying to point to was that they're, they're, they're different. Black American and then African American are, are, are different in a way. What Black Panther, I think, did was kind of unify that to where black people looked, 
especially people who didn't know anything about their past because they kind of gave up on that. Like you would ask them and be like, are you not interested in figuring out what part of Africa you're from? They're like, I don't give a fuck. Well, you know, those, those whatever, whatever. And they say something crazy racist and you're like, yo. Yeah, because they, they thought, they like God's was there, they thought African was like sticks and muds and they lived in huts still. Um, I think Black Panther made it represented, uh, represented that there's more to it. And it's a mm-hmm. lot, it's something to be proud of. Oh yeah, no, like I loved it. Like I th- like like I would say, like Josh, like yeah, I think you hit it on the head. Like where it's like it is like both things, both like what Tony is saying, and right. also like what you said, Josh. Like where I'm super happy I got a Black Panther. I wore my dashiki and and you know, like it was super cool to see me in Africa. too. Yeah, you know, like I mean, hell, like <laughs> I was Wakanda forever. I wore my white. You know, <laughs> hell yeah, like I like I'm super happy like that that existed and it was like finally in africa yeah. that's not just uh oh, war and beasts of yeah. stuff and no nation and ah, stop you know. coney you're right <laughs> 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 oh my god coney i forgot bro that. 20 2012 i want y'all to think about this and that, nothing i said just now was to detract what you said uh tony because you made a, a fantastic point i just wanted to add to that other side of the argument of just like Absolutely, you know, it, did, yeah. it did do a thing for us but, oh it 100 yeah. Yeah, 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 sure, yeah i'm that, not I, trying to say it did yeah, it yeah yeah <laughs> But okay. it's also like we need to keep going further. Yeah, There's more to it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's like some some people watch Black Panther and are like, oh, "We did it. We did it. My my job is done. We're done. My job is <laughs> done." I paid like, Marvel, and yeah. they're gonna save it. And I'm like, "No, no, 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 no! Wait, wait, wait! <laughs> there's there's more." <laughs> and this is the issue because like God, God, okay, stop, uh, stop, Coney started in 2010, I believe. I was a senior in high school. 2010, they they got us all to believe that there was an African warlord with a bunch of children running around with guns. And we were all buying shirts and be like, we got to stop them. And that's how stupid and American we were. But, we got to stop them. We, we, we want to do something. Like, yeah. like that goes Bro, we did no like, research. We, no, we just believed. Look, it was hey, too I easy to what? believe. It was just too I easy to believe. I have my wristband, though. Don't play with me. Stop code in 2012. <laughs> Bro. I have my wristband. We were... <laughs> <laughs> In solidarity, my brother. Hey, well, we were out here, right? <laughs> no, for three Cause, years, cause, they got us to believe. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I want to. Don't get me wrong. You're not wrong. Here. You're absolutely not wrong. It's just sort of like, well, what are we supposed to go do about this? You know. So, like, but, but also, my, 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 yeah. Go I'm ahead. Like, go ahead. Go ahead. My, my, no, my point wasn't that like we shouldn't have tried to do something. I'm I'm so proud that people try to do something. I love it when people try. Right. My yeah. thing was like, it, it it's a it's a showing of. How deluded we were of what African culture really was. Oh, absolutely. They yeah, told like, us. Like they told us the that there was African children struggling, and all we'd seen from the '90s and the 2000s was, "Hey, if you spend 30 cents a day, you could, you could give this little child Watuku uh, a little <laughs> shirt." And you know, like that's, they were just that's inflation. Were, that's inflation. She told right. me 10 cents a day. I was told for 10 cents a day. Oh man. <laughs> Um, right, so that's how, that's what we all. thought of Africans. That's that yeah. it was 2012. We thought yeah. Africans were just like, oh, it makes sense. There's a yeah. warlord running around with children shooting it's people. Like, up. Unfortunately, <laughs> but still, like, I mean, like, like so it was like two things could be true at the same time. Like, where it's right. like, unfortunately, like that is happening in many places, but also right. it's not happening everywhere. And just like I said in the beginning, Africa is still like one of the most hidden places. Like the Africa, the whole Africa. You know, like people say Africa instead of African countries, right? Um, you know, it's like, unfortunately, there's still like a lot of work that needs to be done about showing people like what this whole continent's all about, you know, it's like and like how special and different it can be. And, you know, it's not just all war torn and impoverished mm-hmm. areas, you know, like there's lots of 
culture that can be shown and like highlighted and you know celebrated just as we celebrate the samurai right <laughs> you know like it, it, that's why like I, I give it to tony for sure like don't get me wrong like i like we're still we're still so new at like oh hey black people are humans too you know yeah you know it's like we're, we're still like having to do like a ton of work and yeah you know like i'm rooting for you tony like i we absolutely need what you're doing because it's it, uh... it's man we got a lot to work like i don't want to detract from anything that anybody's done right like i i when i i think that black panther played a very significant role even when we talk about cannon busters i wasn't super happy with the end with the finished product Mm -hmm. but if i saw Lashawn thomas tomorrow i'd shake his hand yeah like you're doing it you're doing because because i i feel like like i he's been in rooms that none of us have been able to be in yet. So if he, with all his industry experience walked in that room and the end result was what we saw, I can only imagine what he had to fight for. Mm -hmm. I can only imagine what the, what, what the conflict must've been. Um, I can only imagine what he wanted that he didn't get. Um, so, and you, you think about other like kind of vanguards in animation, like Peter Ramsey, who worked on Spider-Verse. You think mm-hmm. about uh, the the creative team behind the new season of The Proud Family or my my dad, the bounty hunter that they just launched on Netflix. They're, people are working. Pe- people are working. And I think that like as long as we're incrementally taking steps forward, I'm I, I can never fault anybody. I think that I, I recognize that because of my unique kind of experience, um, the work that we're doing in education allows us to create a really strong business. It lets us tell the stories that we, that we want to tell the place where I get upset is when there are people that aren't doing the work, but want to take credit as though they are when people aren't doing the work, but they want to look at me and my representation. Look, come, come, come read my comic for, for representation. Come buy my comic for generational wealth. It's like they co-opt, they they mm-hmm. they co-opt whatever word is being used and apply it for their own personal gain and yeah. those are the people that anger me that's yeah. when that that that's when i get upset that's when i get mad because i'm like you're not even doing this for for the, the for the culture yeah. you're not even doing this for our people you're, doing it you're for you you, you want to get looked at and treated like you're Martin Luther King and you're willing to just flat out lie in order to in order to make it happen and those are the people that make me mad but you know i'd be i'd be positive so i i try to i i try to blot it out it's like anytime i see somebody doing something negative i try to put that energy into something positive i like that hey bro like i i love it man like i think you got like great energy like i love we didn't even talk about like your TikTok at all, you know, like, or, <laughs> you know, but I, I like at same times, like it, it's been a good time. We got to have you back on for sure. Like, yeah, bro. Like this, this, I feel like this conversation is just getting started. We didn't even talk about one piece, but, <laughs> but, um, shoot, dude. Yeah. I'm rooting for you, man. Like with all this, I got to like dive deeper, like into like all these different topics, like, uh, when we go on for sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What do you think of Josh? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, it seems like we got to wrap this up. You might have somewhere to go. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I was definitely going to ask you. I got a little you, more time. I got a little okay. more time. Cool, cool. Well, I'm, I'm trying to make mine quick. So you know, I'm sure y'all, you want to still say some things. So I'm like, uh, my thing was, I noticed your conversational skills are kind of like immaculate. I'm not, I'm not trying to. Indeed, right? Yeah, it's kind of nuts. Um, yeah. I'm wondering, I'm like, was there, like, did you take classes for this? Were you doing like speech classes? Was it theater? Did 
did you go online and look up charisma <laughs> on demand? Like, what were you doing? Because I'm noticing when you're in conversation, you're one of the few people who does this correctly. When you're addressing more than one person, you say their name uh, in a group. Because I notice a lot of people, when they talk to a group, they, they make eye contact with one person, talk to one person. But you've constantly looked at both monitors to talk to both of us and been like, Josh, this, God's with this. And it makes the person feel a lot better. And I'm like, yo, this, he knows a little too much. How does he know how to do all this? <laughs> Uh, so you 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 did catch me. I, I I do have a BFA in acting. That is one of my degrees. It's true. Ah. Uh, so uh, I do I do have a theater degree. Um, but I've always just really enjoyed public speaking. I get it from my mom. She has to address people a lot. So um, I kind of I kind of grew up around it. That's another hat that we didn't even talk about. I'm a I'm a anime and video game voice actor. That's a whole different. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a whole different thing. I got an yeah. audition due tomorrow. Oh man, <laughs> go man. I, that I'm that I'm that I'm prepping for. Um, but let's I, I think that's um what you just pointed at is why I think uh the work that I'm doing with the uncommons and the work that I'm doing it weird enough is as unique as it is. Kind of the kind of the you 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 like Liam Neeson it. I have a particular set of skills. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, what am I good at? Can Tony draw? No, not at all. Like it's like can Tony write? Yes. Can Tony talk? Yes. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. Tony, write this, give it to the people that can draw. And while they draw, you go talk. And by the time, (laughs) and by the time they're done drawing, you can go grab it. And all the people that you're talking to will want to see what just got drawn. And we can do something. We can do something with that. Um, I figured out very early in the game, what my, uh, what my Expertise. role was yeah. yeah no like that's crucial like you got to be able to play your part because you can't do it all you shouldn't right. do it all like i mean many people try to do it all and you know think that like that's the best way to do it but you know if it works for you sure but i mean i like that you're able to like lead your team well knowing what you got to do then mm-hmm. honestly i'm gonna take that point myself <laughs> i'm gonna take that like hey Tony, i love what you just said so yeah <laughs> it's, a, it's a high it's a high charisma check it's like when you're, you're playing like skyrim or something and like yeah everyone's like, i just want magic i'm like but what about the charisma stat maybe you should right. max that out and i feel like you, you're getting a lot of you just give me your money you know and it's like yeah you know that's a great idea <laughs> but that's a big part of it like i'm not it sure is. your whole journey tony how you how you've gotten to the positions even you've been i'm sure the stories have been immaculate but it's like to get to the position you're in, I'm sure you've had to represent or present yourself in a specific way to be, you know, to, for people to like you. That's how business works in almost every, you know, facet of the uh, way the way that I talk about uh, running a business is that I feel like pitching is probably the last blood sport that actually exists in the United States. I think about <laughs> think, like think, think about think about Shark Tank for example, right? Everybody talks about Shark Tank. I'm like Shark Tank is the kiddie pool. As a matter of fact, I'm I'm banned from Shark Tank. Like I'm legally not allowed to go on Shark Tank because really? Mark Cuban already gave me money. So I'm not allowed to I'm not allowed to go because they're like you already got money from Mark and Mark would be on the show and I'm like I can't go like when he's not there, like if there's an episode where if there's an episode where he's not there, I can't go. Like, no, you can't go. But I go sit in rooms with people that don't know anything about where I come from, that don't know anything about the issues that I've had to experience, about the problems that exist in our community, and they're sitting on a pile of money. And the difference between me getting half a million dollars to go do this work and make this series and create these experiences that are going to stick with black kids for a lifetime. The the difference in that happening and it not happening is me being able to sit down and have a conversation with them. 
Like you, you hear about the elevator pitch. It's literally that I, I was at 30 rock at NBC, um, and got in the elevator with, uh, a woman who at the time was the director of the most successful portfolio of channels at NBC universal. She asked me how I'm doing. I have 15 seconds. What, what, what can I do? That's going to get her to have a conversation with me later. So much of my work is feast or famine like that. Um, and I can't tell you the amount of times I've ended up in rooms with people that could change my life, that could change the trajectory of my company. And I didn't have the words. I didn't know what to say. I didn't frame it properly. The quick time event came up and I hit triangle at the wrong time. Um, every, all those mistakes kind of live with me. So I get, I get better with each iteration. Man, dude. That's beautiful, dude. I mean, your journey like has been really cool to see so far. And then, I mean, you just told us many things that like we're very hyped to see. Like, I'm very excited and definitely I'm going to be rooting for you putting it out there go read it i need to read it in common so yeah i'm go, gonna go jump check on that it out scenes. go yes. read it my favorite Absolutely. thing my, the the thing that's going to make the uncommons live or die i wholeheartedly believe this i'm going to talk about the uncommons all the time all the time i'm talking about the uncommons you're never going to not hear me talking about the uncommons but what's going to make the uncommons live or die is if the community grabs it and embraces it yeah Marvel Marvel released a, a, a panel from a comic yesterday that has a black Cyclops. And I've seen at least eight different Facebook groups making posts about it, talking about it. People are making videos about it. James Gunn can sneeze in a specific direction. And there are going to be 10 YouTube videos about like the, the, the DCU will have allergy medication and every like uh, there, there's so much of like this fandom machine on social media that's rooted in what are the big players doing quick? Let me go talk about it right away. And I'm like, cool, do that. But if you look at the numbers, more people are reading the uncommons and they're reading the stuff by the big players. So if that's what you're going to do, if you're going to go make fan content about it, if you're going to go make reviews about it, if you're going to talk about, hey, have you read the most recent chapter of, if you're going to put a closet cosplay together, do it for the uncommons. Do it do, do it for this organization that's trying, to, that's trying to make the world better. I wholeheartedly believe that that's going to be the thing because we've seen stuff in the past where people are like, this is the most hype thing. This is the most hype thing. This is the most hype thing. And when it happens, you're like, like I ain't trying to smack talk, you know? I liked Chainsaw Man. I enjoyed Chainsaw Man. I didn't see anything in Chainsaw Man that required 12 individual ending themes. Like I didn't I didn't see anything in the first 12 episodes of Chainsaw Man that required 12 unique animations and ending theme songs. And if you go look at the numbers, more people are talking about Blue Lock than they are talking about Chainsaw Man. Hey, you watch like, yourself. You watch yourself, Tony. <laughs> you're like, you're on like, thin ice right now. You're, 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 yeah, hey, listen. Get this man like, out of here. You're like, I got Pochita on speed dial. Don't play with me. Right. Um, <laughs> it, it's Ryan Colt Levy, the voice actor for Dingy. It's his birthday today. Right? Happy, happy birthday, Oh, it is. Ryan. Yeah, I wish him I, birthday earlier. Yeah. I, um, I, I love Chainsaw Man, but everybody was like, Chainsaw Man is going to be the most hyped anime this year and right now on tiktok people are are, are living vicariously through blue lock like low low-key I mean, carry japan he, through the world cup it's he honestly like um, i'm watching it now and it is it absolutely deserves there's yes. a difference between what you get told you're gonna like 
and what like kind of has this grassroots hold in the community it begins to grow and i hope that the uncommons as a series of the community gives a chance to to plant those grassroots i i think like in our author's note for the series that's literally what i say i say um if you give us a chance i promise you i'll give you a story that you'll be proud to be a fan of you give me the chance you you sh show up and read it it's free to read Give the characters a chance. Open your heart to these characters the same way uh, you did Hinata from Haikyuu. Open your heart to these characters the same way you did to Tanjiro from Demon Slayer. The same way, even though Yugi's hair looked kind of weird, you were like, hold on, let him cook. Oh, give it a chance and you won't regret it, I promise. That's dope, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be pushing, I'm gonna check it out myself too. We gotta stop the podcast right there. Ain't nothing else to say up there. That's the, yeah, that's hey, the drop. That's the I drop, mean, honestly, bro. Like that, that was that was it right there. You know, I usually ask people like, you know, talk about yourself. You know, one last time. But absolutely, give Uncommons a chance. I'm gonna post the link on our pages. Push it out there. You keep us, uh, you keep us in the loop with uh, all everything that's happening with it too. I mean, we'll really do. excited to see more volumes come out and this anime too. We're working. We're working. It's hype. That's hype, bro. This is really great. Uh, any, anything else you'd like to push or uh, put out there? Read the uncommons. That's all, all right. I got. Number one. Number <laughs> one. I got you. <laughs> Thank you so much, bro. Like, this was, I got to have you back on. This. Yeah. You, I feel like we just started scratching the surface about, like, what you do and who you are. And, I mean, there's a lot of cool things that you're you're up to that, like, I, I got to hear about. But, um, yeah, thank you, man. Appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Now, also, we just got to hang out, too. Anything else you want to say, Josh? Uh, yeah, man. Um, of course, there's a ton more I want to say, but it's like ultimately, I, I feel like I admire the conversational side of you more than anything. I was like, that's just like this, it's one of the things I noticed immediately. And I was like, oh my god, yeah, this man, this man, kind of kind of high up on the status. But uh, yeah, bro, um, I'll let you do your thing, live your life. Uh, good luck with everything, bro, and uh, hopefully we see you again. Yeah, yeah, oh, appreciate. It. Yeah, thank you so much, and everyone that's stay tuned all the way. Appreciate you for staying dope. Uh, come to Waifu Expo, which is happening March 3rd through 5th in Dallas, Texas at the Hyatt Regency. Uh, it's a convention that we're throwing with the shoujo mom. Crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're doing a lot of cool things and trying to be like you, Tony. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for your time and definitely have to have you on pretty soon. Everyone else, stay dope. Peace. Peace. Peace.